Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Of course. Ready and action. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter. I'm your host. We have a very, very special guest. Uh, two special guests today in studio. No, 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 no. no. Only I am not that special today. Trust me. You, you, oh, I mean, I rode the short bus, but trust me, we got a real special here today. You, you are extremely special, Josh. Uh, you are a former UFC champion. Uh, two time. How many people can actually say that? Uh, actually, someone else here can say that. Mark, yeah, yeah. Mark Kerr is here, uh, the legendary Mark Kerr. I mean, this is like, I am so honored to have both you guys here. I mean, the, I, I actually, the first time I've ever watched mixed martial arts was watching The Smashing Machine. Oh, right. Uh, that, was, that was my, and now I was hooked after that. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, that was about you and your life and, 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 and what you were doing. And uh, how's everything going, man? Everything's going good. Everything's going good just uh live in life and i have a great 12 year old son and that usually occupies most of my time nice trying to keep him in football baseball or golf but you don't, you don't have him wrestling no he's actually starting to show interest in it now so he's actually enrolled in uh it's called fight ready back in arizona which is kind of like a parlay so they have a little bit of jiu-jitsu a little bit of boxing a little bit of wrestling see what it gravitates to now and I, are you still living you're living in arizona yep. um now i mean you are a guy uh i was i actually watched Watched the Smash Machine again last night, uh, and that was the first time I watched it in, I've been mean, twenty years. Yeah, uh, and I was like, "Holy shit!" It was still the most one of the most raw documentaries. I mean, how did that change your life? That documentary. Um, you know, I think in a couple ways, I, it it crossed over to. I think it was the first real. Uh, you know, MMA that crossed over to mainstream media. And I think that was the one where it exposed MMA to a totally different, you know, uh, genre of people. That was one. And then, you know, from that point, it was for me to look at it and watch it and see the raw reflection of what I was, was was hard, you know. So from where I was then and where I am now, I'm, I'm thankful. Now, I mean, to where you, where you were, I mean, you were, uh, you, you you came on the, the, the fighting scene. We were talking before, I mean, you were a, uh, a state champ wrestler mm-hmm. from Ohio, yep. Ohio State. You started in Iowa. Yeah, you and yeah. Pat Militich yeah, were, yeah. were teammates. I went to high school with him at Bettendorf wow. High School in the Quad Cities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's strange how that little tidbit. It feels like a Kevin Bacon kind of you know sure. relation. So it's just one of those where Pat was. I think at the time Pat was like a junior or senior, and it was my first year of wrestling. And Bettendorf was coming up. I think their second or third state championships. It was a room full of studs. And so Pat used to throw me around. Just, really? Yeah. I mean, so you were the freshman. Was he cool to you or was he kind of... Uh, actually, Pat was, believe it or not, he's one of the cooler guys. Because, you know, you look at a you know, freshman in high school coming yeah. in, not knowing anybody. And he's actually one of the cooler guys. He really was. Yeah, and I was a freshman. We got hazed. Even in college, wrestling was the yeah. worst. Dude, to shave all our heads. I looked and- out. I did not get hazed coming in as a wrestler. Uh, but everybody kind of thought like, oh, yeah, whatever. This big old goofy pile. Like, ha, ha, ha. And then I started winning yeah. <laughs> all, all the matches. <laughs> And then I, I was the only guy on the team like winning everything. And, and then they're just like, well, fuck you, you're big. And I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> that usually is the default for hazing is that if you're over a heavyweight or a yeah. 90 pounder, you can kind of get away with nothing. Yeah, no one's picking on the big guys. But you know no. what? Then I just eat in front of them when I got to cut weight. <laughs> yeah, right, right. By the way, I, by the way, Josh, I was actually thinking we were talking on the way up here because uh, I drove, we're in San Diego now at American Icon Autographs uh, where you could actually get uh, signatures from Barnett and Kerr and everyone, all, all the other amazing stars but we were talking about how you are a guy with just high school wrestling and you beat dan severn uh who's an olympian yeah. and you beat randy couture yeah. uh two olympians and that's gotta have i mean you gotta feel pretty good well it's like i was telling you i exp- randy had been doing so much striking work uh in these matches even leading up to ours i didn't even know i was gonna fight randy at the time i did i, I wasn't the first choice i was i got the call and i had six weeks so i'm like oh yeah yeah whatever i'll do it but uh, um, 
I watched him against Peter Hizzo. I watched him against Peter Belfort. And, and I'm watching these fights, and he's fighting strikers, and he's using almost nothing but striking to, to win these fights yeah. and the occasional takedown. And he's training with Maurice Smith quite a bit, and so I'm thinking, all right, he's going to try and throw down with me on the feet. Let you know, I'll, I'll work on this. I worked a lot with, uh, with Reese Andy and some other guys up there in, in terms of wrestling because even though I only wrestled in high school, I spent all of my years in fighting always working with wrestlers like right. Matt Yushenko or Tom Erickson when I could, or Rico mm-hmm. Ciparelli, or, um, you know, one of my main training partners in my last few fights has been Tony Nelson from University of Minnesota. So I always keep real tight to, uh, to, to my wrestling roots. You know, I consider myself a wrestler first and everything branches off from that. <clears throat> and working with guys like Joel Sherritt. So, uh, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to put hands on this guy. He wants to fight me on the feet dirty box and all this and each round i would come out i'd line up on him i'd throw a vicious right hand he'd just shoot a double on fuck yeah down i go i'm like okay i guess we're down here attack a bunch of subs and stuff off my back we we get back to the feet throw some knees in the and up against the fence and first round ends come out in the second round again right hand double leg god damn it now i mean were you talking any shit to him at the during like come on man keep it on the feet nah 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 I, I, to me though i was really surprised because you know we had trained together before and you know the submissions stuff was always really where i excelled so i figured well he'd probably want to shut that element of my game down and not allow me to really be able to work it and i knew that i knew that the fight was in my hands the minute you know i'm fighting him off my back when i'm hitting him with elbows and punches and, and he's not he's trying to land he's not really able to get anything clean in and i'm doing a good job of tying him up and then at some point he backs off and he tries to pass my guard and i'm like he never does yeah. that yeah and as soon as he did that i scooped into his leg went after a leg lock and then that was he bailed I front headlocked him, snapped him, got on top, soccer kicked his body, and then just went to town. Is that your favorite win? Uh, it was a great win, I got to admit. Uh, being able to fight, you know, Randy is a Washington native, too. He's yeah. from Linwood, Washington, originally. Yeah. Watching Randy go out there, win all those fights, become the champion, you know, he was somebody that I greatly looked up to. So there was no diminishing of Randy in my mind by fighting and beating him. That didn't really... that who he represented and what he represented as for me as a, as a, as a young athlete growing up is still a great, strong impression. And so, you know, I was always super proud watching Randy go out there and win. You know, what's interesting about that, Josh is from the first time when you and I competed against each other, you were young. Very 20. (laughs) I I was going to say 19, (laughs) 19, but from that first, and this is being straight up with you from that first go, I knew that it was only a matter of time that you were going to make an impact on the sport. I mean, honestly, because literally it's just you didn't you didn't care. You just went as hard as you possibly could go. And literally, and I say this to whoever I'm talking to, it's just like the irony of us having to compete year to year, you know, mm-hmm. two years in a row. The first time, I was hoping to God the second year, you're on the other side of the bracket. <laughs> I was actually thinking the same thing. I... I didn't think I was getting. I remember the first time I wrestled you, I was like, "This is what it feels like to wrestle your dad." You know? <laughs> like, God, you know, he's just. How do I? How do I? This guy is just. It just feels like a, a whole difference in terms of like physicality. Um, I'm like I know I got stuff, but I can't can't make any of it stick. Execute, yeah. And you got north south on me the first year, and I just I'm like I couldn't remove you no matter what I did. I so that so the next year I'm like, hey Matt, am I going? He's like, nah. I'm like okay. I kind of fucked around. And then all of a sudden, he's like, two weeks out, he goes, you're oh, going. you're going. I'm like, oh, God damn it. All right, so I'm going to do my best. And then the first round, I'm like, Mark, I'm like, okay. The one thing I'm not going to let happen is him get north-south. I ca- I, I, I'm like, at one point, I'm like, I let you, I let you go after Mount. I'm like, I'm going to do everything I can to try and yeah. find a way to attack. I just don't let him get north-south. And at one point, you spin around in north-south. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I do everything, and I just left my arm behind, and it's yeah. like crank. I'm like, fuck, I forgot. Yeah, he knows how to do those two. Yeah. But, but, I was, but no. all I could think of was don't get caught north-south. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't get caught in fucking north-south. It was, it was such a frustrating uh, – it's like five minutes of being stuck in north-south and being what, able to was go he, nowhere. Was he the strongest guy you ever grappled against? One of them, him. Yeah. And, well, I always tell people there's my, my litmus test for strength is, is like the, the Coleman. Oh, yeah. Like you, oh, yeah. you can only get as strong as Mark Coleman, and then it starts to become like the length of your levers or the weight behind you. It's like Bob Sapp is as strong as Mark Coleman. 
but he just had more weight, weight. Yeah. or a longer lever at certain points. You know, just like a bigger body. But I remember the first time Coleman put me in a front headlock. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I call, yeah, I call it old man's strength <laughs> yeah. for him. Yeah, he Literally, just turns just purple and just starts. different litmus test. Oh, man. But, and one is as strong as I was and as much as I trained and competed. You were strong Mark. as shit, but you also felt more supple than Mark. Yeah, and Mark was just, oh, he's all horsepower. I mean, it's just one where, you know, not much flexibility. It was one way and straightforward. So he just give you that fucking sideways look. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> and I tell Mark, and I'll tell him this very day, I go, look. I'm gonna take you down. Some I don't care if yeah. you got a walker or a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm gonna tip that fucker over and I'm gonna call two. Because yeah. <laughs> I sh- I would shoot to. on him and pommel. And I fuck. I could I couldn't get him on his back. You know. But Mark, you were an Abu Dhabi champion, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. now were you even? Uh, but you were still a white belt when you won it. You know what's interesting? It's I don't even know how to classify belt because the the I had a brown belt in judo. Right. And so going to jujitsu, it was just with a gi on. I don't I just it frustrated me. It was like somebody having an like being an, an octopus. So I'd go out to Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu and I'd roll with guys out there and they'd roll with gis. And I was doing it, I think, just to be polite. And then there was a point where I'm like, I'm never putting a gi on again, no matter what. But it, it, there's so many different elements that come into play. But how frustrated are these guys? Because, like, I mean, let, name some of the guys you beat. Mario Sperry, um, Bustamante, Bustamante, yeah. uh, Carlos Bejeto. Um, and these guys yeah, are Bejeto like, was actually on a real surgence of his fight career and his grappling career. He was really kind of hitting his peak stride, and he was known for being, you know, a big guy, mm-hmm. but long, long, thin legs, super long lever, and and good at using elevators. And he elevated Mark uh, at one point, and fucking Mark basically just rode it, cartwheel, <laughs> yep, landed, cartwheel, and then like yeah. <laughs> high fived him. It's like you're not getting this dude off his uh, off his feet. It's just not happening. And just to see these Brazilians being like, uh, but you know, with hand control and head control, Mark would just sh- continually shut yeah. that game down and then just use good hips. I mean, how yeah. frustrated these guys are that, that these guys are like like third, fourth, yeah. fifth degree black belts, and this American wrestler they hadn't, they hadn't wrestled a wrestler that no, had an that, understanding of yeah, what was going that, on. That, I think that was the different when I <clears throat> when I first started fighting. At some point, there was this introduction to Boss Rutten. Boss Rutten, Oleg Tektarov, Pedro Hizo, Marco Huaz. Those are the guys I go out to California and roll around with. And for the first six months, I'm, I probably tapped probably 20 times a workout session because I just was wanted to get an understanding of what elements I needed to figure out. And then once I figured it out, I kind of just put my foot down and I go, okay, I think I got a good understanding of where the danger points are, of what positions they're trying to get me in, and what I need to avoid. And so it was just this whole learning curve where, you know, thankfully I didn't have a prideful, you know, going, well, I'm going to go in there and show them. So I think it was just taking that time to really try to understand what it is. I think that's what helped me at least transition into doing, you know, the Abu Dhabi. What I think of sometimes is I think that like, okay, so you wrestled in college, you were a national champion, you beat Randy Couture in the finals. Uh, Now, were you and Randy friends? Were you guys cool back then? Was there a rivalry? What's interesting is that in Randy, and we'll have to scratch his head for this, we wrestled uh, my junior year, okay? Yeah. And when we wrestled my junior year, it was at dual meet, it was somewhere in Virginia, and he beat me. He beat me by gassing me. Ah. So what does that mean? What does that mean by get, you were just, oh, tired? Just, just tired? Tired him he out. Just, yeah. Because one thing, Randy, he's what I call a, he's a pusher. You know, most Greco guys are pushers, so they just push and push and push and push, and it's a really, really heavy intensity. And the reason why I beat him in the NC Championship because every time he pushed, I changed my level, double legged him. That was basically it. Right. So from that one lesson, he beat me five to four my junior year, and then we met again my senior year, and the rest is kind of history. But so, but, uh, but I think it's sometimes of like parallel universes, right? Because I think okay, you wrestled Kurt Angle uh-huh. in the Olympic trials. Yep. And Kurt beats you by one point. Mm-hmm. Now I think, what if you would have beaten Kurt? And you went to the yeah, Olympics and yeah. win the gold medal, and then Kurt goes on to MMA yeah, right? and becomes becomes this big <laughs> UFC star. You're like my doppelganger, you know. <laughs> like, I, like this isn't that, you that think Kurt? You think Angle could have been a fighter? You know, he's he, got intensity. He, he intensity, knows how to work he hard, does. and that's the one thing that I think from from Kurt's perspective. My first two, the first two years we competed against each other, ninety three, ninety four. I, I annihilated him. He didn't score a point on me at nationals, uh, the freestyle nationals in 94. And from his work from 94 to 95, I couldn't touch him. 
He literally just worked his way into being at a level that's equal to and greater than I was. So I know the work ethic was there. Whether or not he would have the stomach for it, it's a whole nother whole nother. Yeah, that's that whole thing, you know, what do you do when you get punched in the face? Yeah. How do you react yeah. to that? And and then um, you know, like talking in the smashing machine is like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get him back doubly, so that way, you know, the odds are ever never even. I'm always going to get ahead. But then there, there's also those guys that are like, okay, well, they can take a, an extreme competitive angle version of it. They can take like, you know, like a I'm gonna just fucking kill you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but there's always that mentality of I will win, mm-hmm. no matter the the cost. Whereas some guys are like, you know what? That's just not something I'm willing to deal with. Like they just they just can't couldn't. I mean, there's Fighters, fighters, I mean, that have 30, 40 fights under their belt that still don't like fucking getting hit. Yeah. You know? They're just like, yeah. Eh, yeah. You know? They're just not, not into well, look it. Look at Brock. Look how big and strong yeah. Brock was. Yeah. And then he did better his last fight, he but he, he's still flinching. You know, yeah. it's still not something that he's comfortable with. Or, you know, Tito has never been, he's got good hands on the offense, but he does not like being on the end of them. You know what's even, uh, I was up at uh, Big Bear and with, um, Rico Rodriguez, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, and a list of a bunch of mm-hmm. other people up there. And we watch before Chuck got the push by the UFC, and they're pushing Tito. In their sparring sessions, the second that Chuck laid wood on Tito, he would just clam up. Yep. You'd see it in the fights. You'd see it in all their fights. And he always just does a big high yeah. double shield. Yep. And he's not looking to see nope. what's happening. He's not moving. So he's he, while he thinks he's protected, he's still a target. Yeah, yeah. So I was watching your uh, an interview, and you said you hadn't touched a drug until you were 26. Mm-hmm. And then that was what you became a pro fighter at what, 26? 27. 27. So you're going to Brazil, right? It's, it's, this is real. Yeah. This, is, this is the real deal. You said you were yeah. broke. Yeah. You didn't know what to do. You go to Brazil and uh, you, you took, someone gave you, the, was it like the, the old high school after school specials where you're in the locker room? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody says, hey man, try no, this. I, I actively sought it out. It was one of those where um, I think my lack of understanding of what I was going to do um, I think the saying at the time that I kept repeating in my head was, if you're going to a gunfight, bring a gun. Right. You know, type of thing. So it was one where at that point, um, competing and trying out for the Olympics and stuff, you're tested at the highest standards. But so. you also know that when you get on that mat, the rules are going to be, in general, officiated across the board. You're going to have neutrality. Yeah. You're going to be going to Brazil. Totally different. No, you're not. No. You're not. I mean, Coleman's telling stories about watching uh, before Van Arsdale goes out there watching his opponent getting full on greased up with baby yeah. oil. Yeah, like the hell? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, but you're also not one of these guys. I mean, to that like had no success before. You see some of these guys like they're five and five, and all of a sudden they start taking stuff and yeah. their bodies change, and now they go on a ten fight winning streak. I'm not saying dos años, okay, but that's <laughs> but that's that, those are the, that was the word out there. But but you're a guy, you had a lot of success without the stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't like you needed the the stuff. It was it more nerves. I, I think it was more of a, a like a just in general lack of understanding of what I was getting myself into, and I just said. You know, I I thought in my head that I needed the extra edge, you know, to be able to go down there and do it. I mean, it's just one where when I tell the story to people that don't understand it, I go, okay, my first fights were three fights, one night, hotel, Maxuit Plaza, really no time limits because they wanted somebody to be the winner. And you're going to fight in a room full of 900 Brazilian men. Are you in? You know, that was kind of the thing going. I had no clue it was going to take the shape that it did and, and turn into what it turned and people into. people need to remember that when, when I started fighting, when Mark started fighting, um, there were no just schools you could go and learn fighting. There wasn't mm-hmm. just... It wasn't... There wasn't this general understanding of the environment that you were going to step into where everybody has this like, oh, I can just go down to the UFC gym, La Mirada, or I can go here, I can go there, you know, I can go to this Gracie Baja, I can do whatever, right? You know, I can do jujitsu, I can do kickboxing, go watch it on TV, you know, it's yeah. all sort of a an understood. To us, it was like, okay, you find what you can find. Mm. You know, I, could, I didn't find a, an actual full-on fight school for being an MMA fighter until uh, I'd fought two of their guys and uh, two two pros on their cards and and one, and then it's like oh well there's one in Seattle at AMC that I knew that I knew there was a Lions Den somewhere I knew there was like yeah. but wh- where where are these places you know how does this work out so 
you know, I went to Matt Hume and I mean, I mean, there's no internet back then. Well, no. there was, but it was, it's, it was dial up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was Netscape Navigator. Brothers, I mean, are, are, you know? Did anybody, was any, is it like, Hey man, there's this gym. I that everyone knows guys from internet chat rooms, by the way. <laughs> really? The, oh yeah. I mean, I, I met this guy and he's like, Oh, you know, I've been traveling around. I've had this many fights. Uh, um, you know, I weigh this much. I'm this old. And like, what, would you be interested in a match? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll fight you. I'm cool. I'm 19. I'm blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, yeah, I saw your, your fight with Chris Charno. So I met this guy at the Washington Athletic Club. I sign in as a guest, go up to the judo room. We close the door. We decide the rules. I just full out fight the guy. Wow. For free. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And that that's, I mean. Did it, you win? Yes. Yeah. I, I won like 24 <laughs> fights before. Was I it a fight to the one. death? I no, mean, how no, did no, it, no, was no. there a ref there? How no, did, there was no ref. So, I mean, how did you decide this he fight's over? He just said it's over. He gave up. Did you, you know, shake his hand afterwards? Or? Yeah, we we sat and talked, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I think I'm going to come back out in the summer." You know, Matt said he'd like me to come out and fight again on one of his cards, and so no, even knowing that, then when I would go to the 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 University of Montana's like rec center, they had the old wrestling mats from their program that used to exist, right? Yeah. And they had various martial arts programs, some certain stuff, and so what I would do is I would find anybody if it's a kid hitting a heavy bag, uh, some. F- buff frat boy lifting wow. weights talk about how tough he is or like some dude in a gi i'm like hey how you doing you know hey my name's josh uh you i see you like fighting or whatever blah 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 hey you ever watch uh, ufc like oh yeah what do you think about it oh man it's fucking cool man i love that stuff yeah man me too do you want to fight and they're like what wow <laughs> you know, like yeah well you're we're like a rules. human troll like, <laughs> yeah. they're like hey buddy how's it going I, I, <laughs> and so i mean there'd be times where the mats, the upstairs mats, there's like a little, there's a climbing wall. There's, and there's like four full court basketball courts. And there's this cargo net hanging between the basketball courts and the wrestling mats. And then there's like a little room for uh, cardio with like some small windows. It was kind of like the, the woman's workout room. But it wasn't really set up that way. It's just yeah. that's sort of how it worked out. So there'd be a girl on the stair stepper looking through the thing. There's people playing basketball. And so the balls can't come over into your area and all that. So that's why the cargo net's there. And I would just be fighting people up there. Oh, my God. And, and you know, all of a sudden, I, you know, people would be hanging on the cargo nets. And, like, like the background of the Street Fighter Two, you know, uh, uh, area. And cheering as I'm beating the shit out of people. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, now, what is it that... W- at that point, and, you know that's the other thing is but, no one ever came to be like, hey, are are you guys actually fighting? They, they never. They just thought, oh, well, these guys must just now, be martial arts. At that point, are you doing it to get just to get better, yeah. or because you, I needed to get experience? Yeah. And I right. trained with Jim Harrison and and and, and his Bushido Kan Karate school, which you know we did kickboxing and judo and every. I mean, it was we'd full on go with with guys, but. I'm trying to express the lawlessness, the the, yeah, the raw the element yeah. back then of like, holy fuck, you know, this was like 80s sports movie yeah. kind of montage yeah. shit. That's 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 the world that Mark and I lived in. And yeah. so it's like, do you want to go down there and fight in front of this thing with these, you know, there's this guy that they pulled out of a ditch in the, the jungle. There's this guy that, 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 you know, pulls alligators out of the water with his bare hands. There's this guy who's, you know, it's just, him, right? and so Mark's you know, like, fuck yeah, I'll be there, you know? It reminds me of like one of the first UFC where the boxer shows it with like... Art Jimerson. Yeah, Art Jimerson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, one glove. So it just is one where that and what it is now is just... It's been cleansed. But your your second fight in, right? When you uh, used your chin to put the guy's eye oh, socket, that was yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, was that was that one of your like? Okay, did you practice that in, like in practice yeah, or? I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, I think my training partner appreciate it. Yeah, that was just. I wanted the like anything else. I just wanted the fight to be over. He was a big son of a oh, bitch was, too. You know, every, anybody that he's knows Bobish that would say, look. If Bobish knew how dangerous he could be, yeah, he would be near unstoppable. Like the guy big, was huge, strong guy. I mean, with a super low center of gravity, powerful, I mean, quick, big, huge legs, and actually really nimble on his yeah. feet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I remember I watching this match again last night. You go, you go over to Pride because you're like, okay, the money's better, right? Yeah. But then you go there, you're like, hey. Thirty three hundred. You guys still owe me. Yeah. Is that what you were? I mean, I'm like, how, how bad was the original money? Where fucking thirty three? Like, no. I what I ended up doing, and this is what I told Pride. I said after my first year of fighting, I said I need to I need to basically know how much money I'm making per month. Mm. I said if you want me to be successful, you're gonna put me on salary, and when I'm on salary, uh, every time I fight, it's a bonus on top yeah. of the salary. Okay. That so, was uh, so, what Ken would have people do with his old SEG contracts. Was Lions End guys were yeah. on a monthly. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it stabilized my life. It allowed me. They were paying me at the beginning. It was like eight thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars a month. 
going, this is your salary. And then every time that I fought like uh, Hugo Duarte or, you know, some of the other guys I fought, I would get a fight bonus paid in cash. So just one where that level of stability was all that I needed. Right. So if you look at like my first fight with Pride, they actually went from a company called KRS to yeah. Dream Stage. So right. the first four shows were KRS, and then they went to Dream Stage. That's when they got rid of the mobster, put legitimate people in there, and they started to, you know, push it, you know, mainstream. And so, well, minus Hideki and Yukino. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it, it it has a whole backstory to it, but it's just some. one where they ended up saying, okay, if we're willing to do this, we're going to push you, and I would go over. Like two weeks prior to an event, I would do TV, I would do charity stuff, I would do print, I would do whatever they asked me to do, you know. And, and they always pay you for that stuff do, too, which was they cool. Do. And it's just one where where it got to a point where if you look at the little time frame, it's when I had the runoff uh, for Abu Dhabi, you know, boom, 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 you know, super champ. Da, da, da. It just created stability financially, and that's what any fighter that's. I feel like now. that they should do that right now with the UFC, put people it, on salary. Versus it is something that they could do. Like yeah. there is no set way that a, a company like UFC or any any MMA company has to structure their deals, and they could just as a manager could go to the UFC and say, well. Instead of doing this uh, fight bonus, win bonus, yeah. you know, let's let's do a stipend. Yeah, you, you know, know, I mean, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if the UFC would go for it. Right, it, it changed. It just, I know what it did for me. You sure, know, it's like that first twenty five thousand dollars. It's even funnier because I didn't read the fine print. Uh, Federico Lependo put in there. Of maybe course, subject, maybe subject to local no taxes. Way. Right. Federico so, Lependo. Uh-uh. So he ended up paying me like eighteen grand. Right? <laughs> right. And so I chased him for that seven grand. Basically, I caught him in California, and he actually did pay me. It took him a while, but I was like subject to nothing. <laughs> so it's it, it was interesting. Who'd you that, fight on that night? You fought Paul Varlins, Meister Hulk, yeah, and, uh, and Fabio Grigel. Fabio Grigel. Yeah. Uh, actually, Alex, that was here earlier. Yeah. That was his. That's his introduction to me. Like that was his jujitsu instructor down in Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Didn't you didn't you fight Ebenezer Fonts Braga at one point yeah. too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some. You know, you know the names a little bit better because I, unfortunately, when I unplugged from the industry, I unplugged. I mean, most people thought I died, rolled over in the corner, buried in some cemetery somewhere. But you know, the industry's growing enough now where. You know, I'm going to put some stuff together. I can do seminars and do stuff like good. That. And I, I was actually showing my my uh, girlfriend. I was uh, my my fiance. I'm getting married this Saturday. Oh, congrats! But I, yeah, I, congrats. I, I was showing her your video, and she was like, "Man, he should go to high schools and colleges yeah. and public speaking." Like, she she was like, "This is exactly what you know kids need to listen to right now." I'm like, "It's exactly what you should be doing," because I mean. Who's who better than someone who's been through what you've been through? Yeah, it's it's an experience where. You know, thankfully, I think that besides the besides the competitions and stuff, the one thing that has changed the whole paradigm in my life is being a dad. Right. You know, I have a great 12-year-old son, and if anything happened to me, I mean, the, I, the kid wouldn't even know what to do. Are you, are you still working at the car dealership? Still still working at the car dealership. My, my little brother does that, and uh, he, he, it's, I, I have so much respect. That's a hard job. It's, it is. Have you, you, is. Is this the first time you've met Mark? Yeah. Well, if uh, I've known Mark for some years. <laughs> yeah. I can tell I not 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 because he's slick, but I can I can tell you that I can easily see Mark getting people to buy a car. No 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 fucking questions Are you, asked. I mean, my little brother wanted to know if you use the same. He'll make you feel like spirit. you made the smartest decision you ever did by buying that car. Off, I promise you. I I promise you. That's what my little brother Max wanted to know if you use some of the same comp- competitive spirit you use fighting. You, you do. I mean, literally, you you know, you look at it like if somebody's sitting in front of you, you want to sell them a car. That's the only way you win. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just one where I, you know, it's funny, um, in 19 or 2008, when the economy fell apart, when I like literally walked away from fighting, you know, I ended up fighting King Mo on, on like a three week notice. You know, I literally the money was where I go. I can't turn it down. Right. You know, so, you know, from that point going forward, it was like, OK, what am I going to do? You know, the whole entire world economy had collapsed. Did you save any money from your fighting days? I saved a little bit, you know, a little bit. Um it Do you still have your NSX? Oh, I wish I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those. That's one of those trophy pieces that I wish it was still sitting in a garage somewhere. I yeah, really you did. know, and the trouble about even stuff like that is, if you would have just kept it to just turn it over now, yeah, you would have you would have still made money yeah. on the car. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because um, a friend of mine that was selling cars at the time, he goes, "Here, here's the way you need to think about this." 
If you learn how to sell cars, you could actually move to any of the 50 states, have a job tomorrow that you know you can pay your bills with. Right. So that's kind of the idea is that in every town there's, you know, hundreds of car dealerships. You know, if you understand the business and you understand how to do that, you never have to be afraid of not being able to provide a roof and food and, you know, shelter for your family. So I, so I took it on as that and going, okay, you know, now I'm looking at it like, well, now that MMA's blown up, I probably have opportunities out there. Well, I was also like wrestling, a college wrestling coach, uh, seminars. Like I would think that, you know, you'd be very qualified for those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's now it's, it's, uh, with a friend of mine, you know, Rick Bassman. Yeah. So Rick Bassman is starting to put some stuff together and, uh, Alex, who's, you know, uh, friends, I mean, he's known Hoist Gracie forever. You know, Hoist and his network has 225 different dojos that he goes to. So they're going to help me get some stuff set up where I can get back out there. Oh, good. Because I feel like you need to be out there. I do. Uh, one, of your, one of your fights against Igor. This was probably, uh, I was watching that fight last night and you went out there. You were winning the fight. For, yeah. Now, Coleman said you gassed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you gas? And we're, like looking back at it now, 20 years later, you think, do you, do you think you would have won that fight had, it, had that not been stopped that way? Uh you know what? It's one of those things where, as a fighter, you have certain people on your list. I don't know if Josh has that list. That that a list that you know, no matter what, it's probably going to be one of the hardest fights you've ever stepped into. Yeah. And Igor was on that list for me. Going, he's Ukrainian. You know, he's you know his upbringing is totally different from ours. You know, he's fighting for every dollar, every cent. It's not like I am not, but. It's just a different type of person, you know. The guys from Dagestan now. Like, yeah, they're, they're, those guys are just like life or like, death for their money. Yeah, it is, and that's kind of the one with Igor, knowing that I would have hoped I would have won, but it would have been an uphill battle. I mean, he hits hard. I yes, mean, he hits extremely He's hard. Short and compact, and he just whips hard. Not only just his shots, but I mean, whips his hips. Whips. I mean, everything. It wasn't until later in his, you could see there's a point where you see where Igor is just like, eh. And you know, and then you you see him start losing on the ground, like, yeah. kind of, but getting worked over. But there's times even when Abobish is killing him, yeah. And he eventually gets his gets back on the feet and then lays him out. And he'd been getting kneed in the head on yeah. on his back for who knows Just how long. One of the toughest guys. Scrappy. I mean, we, we talked afterward. Um, even the second time that I fought him and lost to him, it was one where it was like, he just was on the list going, I know I'm going to hurt. I know it's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm going to have to do everything I can to win just because when you add that level of toughness and grit in and a talent, you know. Who's, who's on your list, Josh? Well, Crow Cops always just, yeah. you know, regardless that I've, I've never been able to fight that guy 100%. Even 100%, he's going to be hell on wheels. Yeah. Uh, he's just so powerful and quick. And he's just just a load, you know. Um, at, at hit the top of his game, you know, I say he's one of the best to ever oh, walk yeah. the earth. Oh, so, yeah. and it's just that level where do I, can I beat him? Yeah, I can beat him, but it's gonna be it's everything you. Got. It's always gonna be a hard one. It's yeah. always gonna be a tough one. And and while you know he's he got knocked out by Randleman, he got subbed by Minotaro. But I'm like, okay, I don't know if Randleman could have repeated that. But you know, yeah. Kevin's explosive. He's a dangerous <laughs> guy, and. Minotaro was getting annihilated. He was practically yeah. knocked out at the end of the first round. Hail Mary diving tackle and managed to get him onto his back. Yeah. Then he grabbed yeah. the rope to keep on mount. It's just yeah. like, all right, <laughs> so I think yeah. this happens again. Yeah. He gets chewed up, you know, but hey, it is what it now, is. Now, after that fight, you're like, I mean, you're crying. I, I felt for you. It was your first loss. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. You know, I, I couldn't imagine what you've been going through. You, you've, you've been a, a winner this entire time. And it yeah. was a, at your, I, you know, I felt for you, but your ex-wife, is it your current yeah. wife or ex-wife? I, well, uh, she's my girlfriend at the time, became my wife, now my ex-wife, but I'm here in San Diego with her. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that sounds like a really smart move. Okay, what, so, what a story this is turning out to be. Yeah, yeah. So your ex-wife is like, you know what? I knew he was going to lose. Uh, he, he only trained for a couple of weeks, and we, we were partying and drinking a week ago. Now, when you're watching the Smash Machine, are you like, hey, listen, a little confidentiality. Is that, or, yeah. is, or is that true? Is that what no, happened? No, it wasn't completely true. I mean, the, you know, the saying is there's her version, my version, and the truth, you know? The truth lies somewhere in the middle. Right. You know, I was training, but also I was doing a lot of pain pills and all that stuff back then. And that, 
you know, if you take it out and go, okay, I'm sober and I fight him, I probably beat him, you know, but you put all the other elements in there. Well, you did you get, know. Yeah, he wasn't supposed, the, the grounded knees wasn't sorted out at that point. And so that fight, that first fight got turned to a no contest. Yeah, yeah. it did. Yeah. But it's still, it's like you no contest while I'm getting front headlocked <laughs> and kneed in the head while I'm tired. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and that's I tell no, him afterward, I got, I literally, um, it, you know this, like Mr. Ishii. Yeah. K1. Watching you talk not, to Mr. Ishii not, right? and, and, and Adam move. goes, look at him. <laughs> he's talking to this Japanese guy this guy has no, no idea I go Mr. No. Kancho Ishii does speak English but yeah. Yeah. at this moment it's not even about whether or not Ishii understands him Mark is just like somebody has head. to fucking hear this right yeah. now because this is killing me that I just got fouled and they stopped the fight yeah. uh, well you know I mean it doesn't matter what the decision is afterward everybody yeah. only remembers what happened in for the real ring. So he need me. They raised his hand. So that's what everyone remembers. Yeah, that's what right. sets in their mind. So it's just one where it's unfortunate. I know that you know. I know he's not that fighter that would go. Oh, dude, I'm going to follow him. You know, screw it. I know he's not that guy. Yeah. You know, but the transition before the. I mean, Pride had so many things that didn't protect the fighters. You know, you could be in a three point stance and they could punt your head. You know, I mean, they had so much stuff in there, literally, and they tried to thin it out at least to have a little bit better. You know, fighter safety, and that was why. They took the when you're down, you can't knee him to the head. Well, I mean, look, I mean, stuff was in. I mean, then they, then they put it back in, anyways. Yeah, they did. I mean, <laughs> it was, it's, it's, it can be hard to keep track of some of that stuff, but, uh, uh, and, and you know who was also like that, which uh, really surprised me at first because I didn't really know, I didn't get to know the guy that well until after it was, was Crow Cop. Was that, you know, when I fought him the finals of the heavyweight G uh, open weight Grand Prix, uh, you know, I'm hurting from fighting Minotaro, Crow Cops, now he's laying in on me here on the ground. And I'm like, fuck it. So I scoop his leg, and I'm going to try and go after a leg lock. And he posts out, and he's trying to keep me from getting into it. And he, and he accidentally eye gouges me, like, uh, like two knuckles deep. It's totally accident. Yeah. Right. And But at the time, it's like both eyes shut, closed. I'm like, I can't see anything. And I remember uh, Bobish got eye gouged against Goodridge. Yeah. And then I've seen another guy accidentally yeah. take an eye poke. <laughs> and then they didn't stop it, and they're getting waylaid. And I'm just thinking, oh, shit, this guy's probably going to let Crow Cop start trying to kick my head into the next row. So I tapped. But what, you know, at the time, I, I'm thinking, fuck. When I see the replay, Crow Cop's like, oh shit, he yeah, knew he accidentally wow. gouged me. And then Yuji and sees me grab my face and Yuji looks. And so for once, they would have been like, oh, something happened. Yeah. Yeah. And now I've got lost by tap out due to strikes on my uh, on my record and it's like jesus yeah. christ Josh, I don't think but, I, but nobody I, understands like that the, situation the in the heat of that it, moment yeah, yeah. like i don't think anyone's calling you a pussy uh, no, I, I, josh well, i am what i eat <laughs> no but, right but but then that would mean i'm an asshole too i so. mean speaking of which i mean do you look at do you look at these new guys mark and think to yourself like this you know i was a fighter some of these guys were fighters too but they're athletes uh and this is sort of a uh, you know, I'm real curious to hear this. I really am. I mean, do you, do you, I've got some. Uh, do you look at these guys and go, "What I did was fighting. Like we we were we were headbutting and eye gouging and kicking and stomping and fighting with no weight classes and no rules." And these guys, it's sort of a, it's fighting, but it's yeah. not what I was doing. It's different. I mean, it it, it to say it's different is like going. Uh, I don't even know what a parallel is, but, you know, like really what you were doing, like going around to college and fighting, that's what we were doing in the ring and getting paid for it. And that's a difference. Yeah, the first time like, I got money, I was like, oh, shit. shit you I, 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 yeah, I was hearing a uh, hook and shoot at the time, like, yeah, we play like a minimum of 350 Like, 350 bucks, that's wow, great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> wow, when, when can I get $350? Yeah, it's it's changed. I think the the whole entire premise of the of mma was like okay which discipline's the toughest just take yeah. who you are doesn't matter what you weigh doesn't matter how long it takes we're going to figure this out yeah every tournament was basically like a movie script you yeah. know we're going to bring these guys in from all over and we're going to set it all up and then yeah. see who comes out on yeah. top and that that really i think was more of a, a true measure of like really what your grade was as a fighter Going, hey, dude, we're going to whittle the rules down to the minimum. You know, don't grab his nuts and don't poke him in the eye. Yeah, don't you know, bite. Everything else yeah. is on board because it's almost like, hey, guys, we're going to throw you in this locker room. We need one of you guys to come out. Right. Okay. And that was the, literally the feeling going into fighting was like, okay, I'm in a locker room. I need to come out. Yeah, but you, you understand, know? we were down. We oh, didn't. Yeah. We oh, were yeah. totally for it. Oh, yeah. And you couldn't say that anybody there was forced to be there. They were like... I mean, we could all have our external reasons, but at the end of the day, we we truly wanted to fucking be yeah. there. We wanted to do that. We the, the 
the, there was a, it felt so special to see some of these events at that time too because it would be such a like oh my god they got that guy and then they yeah. got this guy oh i can't believe that they put this whole thing together how wild is that and you know i've said for years that that fighting isn't alike in in a lot of ways of course there are things that that us in the in the early days would not have been prepared for with the media stuff and yeah. how to manage yeah. a career and, and 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 to navigate those business end of the waters but the fighting part of it so different so this guy this this local promoter wanted to put on a, an eight man one night tournament which you can still do in California but you, it's like you have to limit the f- total fight time to 25 minutes that's that's their gimmick on that okay and He's like, I want to do this one night tournament, and I'm, I got my guy. And I go, we're down. You know, yeah. he fought Kyokushin, you know, karate as a 19 year old kid as the youngest ever in the world open weight tournament. So yeah, we'll we're all good. You know, this is this is what I come from. Like this is how we this fight. Yeah. And couldn't get eight guys to agree to that. Like most <laughs> right. of us, like no way, I'm not fighting one, uh, three times in one night. And I'm like, really? Yeah. You know, that's where I it started. mean, fuck that. That's that's what we were about. And you know the the show up like that it was just like all right here we are let's go let's put this together and i remember talking about the difference between fighters in the day and the passion to just get out there and fight and like what are the rules for this one all right good let's yeah. go what have you no gloves cool headbutts yeah. awesome. awesome whatever we're, we're all here to do it and i remember after this this it was a ufc um it was one of those uh press conference calls and benson henderson goes yeah no 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 you're right. I don't want to do that. Right. I, I wouldn't want to be. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to do any of that. Kind of, I like this is cool. And I was like, well, wow, I can't believe somebody's actually. Yeah. You know, but you know that it's fine with that too. You know, I mean, no one can take away what a lot of these young, awesome athletes are doing, like a Benson Henderson. You know, yeah, but I mean, they're they're the the cool thing is the sport because where it's grown it's pulled into some incredible talented guys it really has you know and still like anything else man the thing that i loved about wrestling even though i was a big guy is that you could be 135 pounds or 145 Mm -hmm. pounds and you could be a world champ right you know and there's no other sport really you could do that with you know, it can't be a, a pro football player. He might baseball, eh, you know. So it's given it's given guys opportunities. I mean, they can appreciate where the sport has come from and where it is. It just, there's... It's just a little different. A parallel. Now, do you, do, you, do you watch it now at all? You know what? I started over the last couple of years watching it. You know, a lot of times I get frustrated because I, I get so much anxiety watching it that I can't watch it and enjoy it. Mm. You know, because you know how much it hurts. Like watching somebody take a headshot or watching some. I mean, I know how much it hurts and it makes me cringe. So sometimes the anxiety level, and in the last year, I've been able to actually sit and enjoy it and, you know, watch. I like the technical part of it. I like when you get a really good, you know, people might think it's boring watching two guys on the ground, but you, you get the camera angles. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. You know, you can see somebody totally, you know, working their game, and it's it's interesting where, it, where the sport is now. Mayweather McGregor. Uh, my personal opinion, this is going to go three rounds tops. I don't know why they're doing this. I mean, I know why they're doing of it. Of course, you yeah. know why they're but, doing but it. But I just feel you know like the this name is of the fight. It's called Chiching in the Ring. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, who do you think? What, how do you think this goes down? I mean, as a, as an MMA fighter, I'd love to see McGregor knock him out. I mean, I really would. It would do something for us. Yeah. The, the statistically statistically saying, I mean, him the odds. I don't know even what the odds are now. One to twenty or something. I mean, it's just one where. I would love to see him knock out Mayweather. I've never liked Mayweather, never, you know, just one where it's just not an athlete I followed or enjoyed or anything like that. So, of course, i like to see McGregor knock him out. Me too. But what uh, I, I mean, I, I get why people don't like Mayweather, and that's I, a lot of that I feel is constructed, you know? I mean, it's one way to get someone's attention. Yeah. But uh, as a as a... His ability, his defensive and boxing work has always been a thing of beauty to mind, something I've tried to emulate in some ways, which... Must be unsuccessful with the amount of times I seem to be getting hit. Uh, but um, I think, I don't know, three, probably, I think it's like four, maybe five. I think McGregor's uh, endurance will be up. Uh, but I just, he's going to get tired missing. Yeah. Hitting, yeah. hitting, hitting Mayweather. And at that point, once once that gas tank starts to diminish, because the pacing and the timing. So, and so round five, you think? Round five, round six? By five or six, that, I mean, that's going to be the end of the fight. And I don't think it's going to be because Mayweather just completely shuts his lights out, but yeah. I think he's just the toll. Yeah, he's going to gas. He's going to dig his body up. And so how does, but right. I'd like to see Connor give a great showing or, you know, yeah. put his lights out. I yeah, mean, that too. would make, 
something It'd great for MMA. for MMA. Yeah, I mean, it really would. So it how does really Prime would. Mark Kerr? I don't care if you're on stuff. Okay, <laughs> I'm talking. I'm talking about 1997 <laughs> Androgen, yeah. whatever the fuck you took. All right, Mark Kerr against today's heavyweights. Uh, how does he do? Today's heavyweights. So one thing that I, I would say is, if I had you, fuck them all up. Come on, I would. <laughs> I just, you know what? And f- this is this is what I say. I said what made me really good is I can turn anybody that has any discipline. I can make them wrestle me. If I make you wrestle me, I'm gonna win. If I, if I turn it into a fight, you know, there's guys are so technical now. Some of the heavyweights. I mean, it would take me probably two years with the best boxing and Muay Thai coaches to get to that level they are now. I mean, right now you got some great strikers. Yeah, but you go against Stepe Miocic. You just you yeah, just you just, just double leg him and pound him. Down to the yeah. ground, ground and well, ground. Well, you got to figure if we're talking Mark Kerr in his prime. However, that concoction is created doesn't right. matter. None of that. Right. Yeah. Right. All, all taken out. Out of the, the the main thing is though, is that. Mark's going to be, as I talk about him, as he's sitting right next to me, yeah, yeah. he's going to be in the environment with the gym setups that we have now, yeah. with the, the training difference. systems, with all the training partners, with having the, the specialized coaching come in. I mean, I don't think you could help but see a better Mark yeah. Kerr than I, I even agree. the one you saw before. So prime Mark great. Kerr versus prime Brock Lesnar. How does this fight go? Oh, I'm taking Brock out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking him out. Josh? Uh, I think uh, a good... A good scramble, a couple takedown, you know, goes here and there, but eventually, yeah, Mark gets on top, starts going to town. Now, of course, this is old school UFC rules, so there's yeah. headbutts oh, and yeah. elbows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have to actually implement that. Yeah, right. Put that in there; it's a game changer. Now, I gotta say, it did seem like your girl, uh-huh. Dawn, a very attractive girl, sexy. Mm-hmm. I see why you would like a girl like that, yeah. you know. But it did seem like, in a way, she was like, hey, you, were, you stayed with her mm-hmm. instead of training with Boz uh, in that prime Grand Prix. Yeah. Do you look back and be like, I, like, I know it was good pussy, right? I, I, like, <laughs> I know, I know. down the road. I mean, yeah, but, I look, but, look, yeah, but, <laughs> but looking back, are you just like, fuck, I wish I would have done a little. Yeah, I mean, part of it, and I, I've said this before, she's been always kind of that little bit of kryptonite for me. You know, just one of those where... You know, looking back on it, yeah. You know, and I had spent three more weeks out there, probably would end up being in a totally different story. Right. You know, tickles totally your prostate different. and breaks your heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she did help you get sober. Yeah. She helped you get yeah. clean. Yeah. I mean, no she's one else was a great mom. No, now, 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 when you're now when you're juiced to the gills and you're going out there and you're just is, your coaches, right? Like mm-hmm. that that scrawny guy behind you. Who who's yeah. that? Who was that guy? Uh, um, there was some guy behind you that was like. I think you're talking about my brother. <laughs> uh, was it your brother? <laughs> yeah, but but uh, now are they saying to you, look, Mark, like, c- c- you, come on, man, you, you got to get off this stuff, or I'm worried about your liver. Is anybody telling you this, or no, is it just I, your girl? You know what? It just it was just her. You know, a lot of the environment. I think. Um, it would looking, be hard to talk to it. talk Mark well, out of any of it because yeah, he would go. Now let me it. tell you here. So there's this uh, peer-reviewed study and this, and then you know what that they were saying doing? in Japan with with right. this, with you know they're eating this type of seaweed, but within that seaweed, is, and everyone was like, uh, no, he's, he knows exactly what he's talking about. So, <laughs> were you one of those guys with the bodybuilders who, like, within five I, I, minutes you're convinced that everyone should be on stuff? Well, you know, I did back then. I mean, it was hard because the internet was in its infancy. I mean, I would order books online and do all this so, so I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of trying to understand what I was doing in my body what I what I look back on is that most of the people around me were basically yes guys you yeah know, they were sitting on the mm-hmm. coattails or waiting to be drug along with them you know a couple guys were my paid training partners so you know it wasn't them having me you know go hey Mark you need to pump the brakes you need to slow down or you know my whole attitude was I'll clean it up when I'm done you right, know, I'm gonna just, right. I'm going to rush ahead as hard as I can, and then when I crash and fall, I'll figure it out. Were you Coleman and Randleman injecting each other in the butts? Was, was, <laughs> was it like, were you guys back there? We actually, all three of us trained a ton together, but no, we... Uh, they probably uh, all got into like wrestling matches in hotel rooms out of nowhere because I've I've been a, a witness to that myself. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Yeah. Mark Coleman is a fucking great storyteller. He yeah, will have yeah. you laughing your ass off. And that guy, I, man, fuck, he's so funny. He he's amazing. He's one of my favorite people. I love Mark. Him and also I, I've had him on the podcast numerous times. He's amazing. And Randleman was my favorite oh, guest of all what time. What a wild card that yeah, guy man, was, was, man. Rest in broke peace. Broke my man. heart, man. Broke my heart when he died. Do you think he yeah. could have been one of the best ever? Yeah. He was oh, yeah. he athletically, had a but put it this way: before I wrestled Randy Couture, my senior year it was Kevin's 
sophomore year, I think. And he had already lost his freshman year in the NCAA finals. And he's getting ready to go. Him and I warmed up together, right? Um, he grew up in Sandusky, Ohio. I grew up in Toledo. They're 60, 60 miles apart. And so him and I warm up, and he looks at me right before he's going to run out, and he goes, be ready. It's going to be quick. <laughs> and I go, okay. So he runs out, and I'm not going to remember. I think the guy he wrestled was a guy named Olson from, like, Nebraska or something. And I'm listening to the crowd. You hear the crowd. You hear the crowd like, yeah. The crowd dies down, and then you hear the crowd pop again. And literally, you see Kevin running back through the tunnel. Out. No way! I told you to be quick. Yeah, he decked him he, in the first like two minutes of the first. He was he man. was unbelievable. Now a, a, a fight that he always wanted that I never I always wanted in their primes, Randleman versus Tito. Oh. Pe- pe- people always debate who would have won. It, it had to do with Rand. It, it's all about Kevin Randleman's man. head. But Kevin yeah. would have put. T- I mean, I'll give Tito some credit that in, he managed to take his wrestling in MMA and be very effective with it. Yeah, but not at Randleman would have just. Kevin was a three-time NCAA finalist, two-time NCAA champ, and he got kicked out of senior year of Ohio State. Right. So you imagine he could have been one of the few, few. There's a handful of guys that are four-time NCAA yeah. finalists. Yeah. He would have been a three-time NCAA champ, and literally the guy was just a freak of nature. He really was. He had incredible quickness, explosiveness. And, and just, toughness. I mean, he oh, pulled, his, he pulled the, the wires out of his wired-up jaw out yeah. to go. and It's just like... With pliers, he's yeah. nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bonkers. You know, I, I fight. We fight on the same card. We say like, "Oh, what's up? Yeah, I'll see you out and about." Blah blah blah. And in, uh, in Atlantic City, Kevin leaves. I go off. As I'm rolling back into the hotel, I hear all this screaming and cussing, motherfucking, nah, nah. I'm like, what the hell is he? And I turn around the corner, and it's Kevin. Now it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, what the? And he's like, man, this guy fucking pistol with me. And I go, what the <laughs> fuck did you get yourself into? Yeah. Somehow he got into some some uh, pissing contest, like war of words, with an off-duty cop in oh Atlantic City. Uh, which, you know, who knows You know what kind of, what kind of oh off-duty was it, cop was it, was the time he, was it when he fought Randy that, that uh, weekend? I don't know. It was either that one. Or when he fought, I don't remember who. And this guy pulls out a pistol and pistol whips Jesus Kevin in some club. And I'm like, only you, Kevin. Yeah. Only you. Also, first time uh, Kevin meets my parents, he drops his trousers to show me how Pedro Hizo had kicked him <laughs> in the inside of his quad and how it had torn. And my mom's just like, the hell? Uh, that's awesome. Now, now I got to say, now, looking back, I know you don't want to have regrets with the, with the girl, right? With Dawn, because you guys had that. But all the Asian pussy that you could have gotten i mean do you look back and just say well like you could have been the king josh can testify to some of this if i went to rapungi and i just stood on a corner at my height in japan within 30 minutes i'd have 50 people around me wow crazy but i forget about the guys though but the women the women it's Oh God, I I can get into you it. You can have you, I, no no get into it. Tell us tell us what happened. Now there's uh, well just some of the Japanese women. I mean um, I don't even know how to describe was it, it. Was it orgies? Were they throwing themselves at you? Throwing themselves at me and extremely extremely tight boxes. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean extremely so, like so, like trying to shove it in the crack in a drawer. Wow. So so you did hook up with a lot of Asian girls. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. So when your girl says I'm jealous, okay, that that, <laughs> that now, uh, now now it makes sense. Now it all makes sense. Right? It's, it, you know, it's an athlete and sense of entitlement. You know, I'm yeah. over there. If I'm over there, it's not really like it. The rules apply. It's not cheating. I'm in the country. <laughs> okay. Plus, so. you're just sampling the culture. Zone. You're getting. Yeah. You know, you're learning their their customs. So this, uh, yeah. Oh, that's how you. That's how you squeeze down on a on a. Yeah. So this podcast is gonna be called Mark Kerr likes tight Asian pussy. By the way, that's gonna be the head Does of this. Anybody not like that? Is there like? Right. Is there is there a segment of a, uh, of men out there <laughs> or women like that are just yeah. like yeah? Could you have the mis- biggest blown out box <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life? But I'd probably- like to be able to throw my head in there and look around <laughs> yeah. and maybe make- store a few things for later. <laughs> make sure she says she's had triplets. So make yeah. sure that's uh, I'm sure there is a fetish for everything. There's probably a fetish. Yeah, that's for the it. thing. You know, that's yes. slash B on on uh, on uh, fucking 4chan. If there's, <laughs> if there's not 
If there's not porn of it, it must be made. Okay, yeah. so you didn't lose, miss out on that much. No, yeah. I didn't. No, oh, I okay. Didn't. That makes me feel better. I, I, honestly, you know, not even just in terms of like them throwing themselves at you. I mean, you would get a, a female fan will come up and literally be like, can I have a kiss? And you're like, oh my. Yeah, what, yeah. Really? And then just start weeping and shaking crazy. and falling apart. Yeah. It's wow. Crazy. Yeah. Never experienced anything like it. And Josh could testify to this. Some of the politest fans in the world. Yes. But fanatical. Yes. Fanatical. 100%. I mean, like you could walk out and you, you like you're saying, I mean, a woman shaking her hand, shaking her almost weeping because you signed or so you must have been. I like, I, I, a part of me is like, yeah, you know, okay, what could have been if I, but I mean, you had, you must, you were the UFC champion, you were the pride champion, yeah. you're getting tons of Asian pussy, yeah. you're making money, you're yeah. beating people up. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel bad at all. No, I, 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 I'm don't. envious, man. You, Mark, I mean, Mark had some, man, he, the stories that he must be able to tell from oh, Abu Dhabi. Ones, I was there in Abu Dhabi and I remember what a nutso place that was yeah. and just hearing like, from hour to hour, day to day, like all of a sudden, like oh no no, so and so is putting this money down on the, like yeah. what the fuck? I call you know, it the this billionaires is... boys club. Yeah, man. for I mean, real. It literally was, and I don't I don't know if Josh or, or my first year there, Guy Nevins who did all the booking yep. and stuff. Guy calls me up. We agree to like a fifteen thousand dollar parents fee, and I go fifteen grand for grappling. And yeah, go, yeah, sure. I'm in. So I got sick. Before the first year, I had something called folliculitis, which is related to Oh, uh, it's to like staph. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, all my hair follicles got infected. I had lost a bunch of weight. I, I think there I was probably like maybe 218, 215 somewhere. So I show up. Everybody sees me, and I'm like all thinned out. And they're like, oh, God, like something's wrong. So I tell guys, I said, listen, I'm only competing in one, one event, one match, and then I'm done. So I do the one match. Uh, the crown prince calls me up after the match is over yep. that's again carlos Bejeto calls me up and he says i need you to continue and i said i'm really not feeling good i said you can look all my hair follicles are in fact and he goes if you continue i'll give you another twenty five thousand dollars wow so i'm like okay i go okay so i do the next match and i say i'm done i'm exhausted physically exhausted and he does the same thing he pulls this me keeps, up the yeah. row, and he goes i'll give you another twenty thousand and I'm like, oh God! I'm like, okay. So I forget what the purse was. I think the wind purse. It's supposed was to be like 50, fifty or something like that. So it turns out where I go from fifteen to twenty-five to f- he ends up basically getting the semifinals, going in the finals. I walk home with like ninety-five thousand dollars in cash. Wow! And no contract, no nothing. It was just his word, handshake, you know. And so I'm thinking, like Josh is thinking, like, how much money did he make off of me? Yeah. Right, you know, if he was willing to, if he's willing to pay me that, and he's betting with his other buddies. Yeah, how much money did he really make off? Of yeah, That's... yeah, they they would go nuts about. It. I mean, even when they held a they held a raffle the second year for like yeah, the, yeah. the first year of the Audi TT, they had a Porsche, they had all this stuff, like a Range Rover, Discovery, yeah, all this kind of stuff, yeah, all this stuff. shit, yeah, right, and crazy. a raffle. Yeah, Kurt, have you so, thought about going? So all of us are buying like you know a couple you know tickets, tickets here and there. Yeah, there are guys in the audience that bought like. $150,000 in tickets, tickets just so that they could win. And I'm like, you could have bought <laughs> yeah, most yeah, of this shit for the for money it. that you paid for the fucking tickets, yeah. but they wanted to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a different way of living. Not to mention, pretty hilarious to be sitting up there and you don't see girls on the street. Uh-uh. You don't see all, you know, like the actual natives of, of the UAE. They're kind of shielded away from it. All you ever really see is like Filipino or Pakistani, yeah. like day it's labor workers. Workers. So, yeah. But yet you look up in the audience and they'll be like, a hefty dude with some skinny dude behind him just like squeezing his boob the whole time. You're like, that is so strange. Uh, I mean, you're just like, is that is that how you get into your matches? Is you, is you grab a hefty guy's boob? That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I, if, if you're into it, I get it, but in public? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. Uh, have you thought about writing a, uh, making your a book or like making yeah. it to a movie? Or? Yeah, I've thought about putting a book together. I think the timing, We I looked at it maybe about five or six years ago and, you know, MMA hadn't grown to the point it is now. And now they, 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 they I think what I heard last is like the second most popular sport in the world behind soccer, you know? So I think it has more of a, uh, I think if I do a book at this time, it would have more of an impact than if I did one five, six years ago. Has Dana White reached out to you? You know, I haven't talked to Dana in probably 15 years. Uh, I mean, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I I mean, why shouldn't you be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, Part of it, and I explained this to Sean, when uh, Bob Meyerowitz, the old owner of the UFC, was selling it to Frank and Lorenzo Fertitta, right? Uh, The documentary was being made, and Bob Meyerowitz was fire-selling anything related to the UFC. So we bought a bunch of footage, 
And so the new owners, Frank and Lorenzo, found out that HBO was going to air this documentary. And they went to HBO and they said, um, we want to see the documentary before it's going to air, thinking they could stop it if it wasn't something they agreed with. And so HBO basically said to them, you can watch it when it premieres, January 19th, like everybody else. And so I think from that point going forward, it always created a little bit of animosity. And so now the new owners, I think it might be a different perspective for them. I mean, there's no reason, he should, right? Shouldn't he be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, Mark is pretty pivotal in terms of American heavyweight fighters, for sure. And there is a great case to be made for, for him being a Hall of Fame UFC because Mark fought before the single super fight eras, too. Yeah. So there was no, like, uni, uni, what would you call it? No... Um, uh, unilateral heavyweight champion, champion right? Yeah. That didn't exist yet. So the four-man tournaments were yeah. these, these sort of things they would just put together, yeah. and you would be a UFC champ of these these individual tournaments. You know, I'm, I'm a huge Uriah Faber fan, but Faber never won the UFC belt. Yeah. This guy won did it twice. He, he never did. No, I mean he won the WEC WC belt. belt. Yeah, he yeah. was a very yeah. He that was his Dominic his... Cruz is his kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first time I ever watched Dominic Cruz fight, I was just like, "Oh my god!" I was, I guess, I've never I, seen. I, I sat on the, I sat on the couch and and, and fucking passed out because he doesn't stop moving. He's no. like, a, I always refer to him as like a like a fucking squirrel on crack. He's just like all over the place. Unbelievable. Yeah. and it's the point which made it even more amazing. My first time watching him, it's left leg forward, right leg forward, up down, change level, this side that you can't track him. It's just like you don't yeah. know where it's going to come from, but it's going to come. You know, it's amazing. It's one, he's one of my favorite fighters. I'm just sure he'd because, be happy to hear that. Well, it's just because of the uniqueness that he brought. He brought an element to fighting that, like, it's not the stand-up and, you know. He's just so smart. You talk to that guy. He's an encyclopedia. I mean, he knows he's all he's doing is studying fighting. That dude. It's incredible. And part of that's like Mike Tyson, what made him great. He was a student. He was a student, man. He'd go back and watch old films and, you know, take a look at it and see where the heritage of what he's doing comes yeah. from. So yeah, exactly. It's big. Well, listen, Mark, uh, it was such an honor to have you on, man. I, I, if you would have told me and Josh back in the day, hey, listen, I'd be talking to Josh Barnett and Mark Kerr. I mean, who the you'd fuck go, am what I? the fuck happened yeah, to my right. life? No, That's what I you'd be saying, like, no Jesus way. Christ. No, you know what you'd be saying? <laughs> Whose dick did I have to suck? <laughs> exactly. Uh, some some, well, some uh, chic in Abu Dhabi. No. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, listen, uh, you could see me, uh, guys. I'm doing comedy uh, July 3rd to the 9th in Las Vegas, UFC Fight Week. Um, um, if you want to, uh, if you want to come to a show, Mark, where are you going to be? Um, I'm going to be here actually for the next three days, and then I'll keep you posted. Uh, I'll be doing some seminars, and I'll, g- I'll give you that info. You can pass it along. Now, why do you have no Twitter account, no Instagram? No, man, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm not quite a millennial. I'm kind of that. But fuck millennial. You need people want to. You, you people. You would be surprised. Kevin Randleman, like the week before he died, I came out. I, was, I did a Periscope with him where fans were asking him questions, and they were. He was so he couldn't believe it, you know. And I think a lot of a lot of the old timers they don't realize the the, <laughs> the impact. I could only see Kevin Randleman uh, tweeting in all caps. He no he fucking lo- he's like, oh my god, I I could do this like from home. I I, I think a lot of times that's like, also would have been like <laughs> would have been inc- highly entertaining to see Kev. Yeah. Uh, tweeting oh because the, yeah. the interviews he would give sometimes I go Mark I go Coleman man what the yeah. he, he just look at me and go shake his head I don't know man it's just Kev it's just Kev you know <laughs> fuck but Mark I honestly really think that uh, you'd be surprised and how like when I when I said I'm gonna have Mark Kerr on the podcast yeah. I got flooded with people going, uh, Smash Machine, Smash Machine, holy shit. Uh, Sean McCorkle said, uh, you know, a guy who who beat Mark Hunt in under a minute said, you're the reason he got into fighting. Uh, All these people were saying they couldn't believe it. And I honestly think that sometimes, you know, know, you're you're sitting there, you're kind of in your own bubble. But you don't realize how many people you've actually affected and touched. So I, I would have that's the one thing where social media, aside people telling you that yeah. you suck and shit. I, I know how many people I've touched. That's actually been kind of part of my problem. That I've, my issues with the law has been yeah, about right. you know how many people I've touched and uh, perhaps where I've touched them. Yes, of course, so, Josh. Uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, I'm still am on social media. But but please, man. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think this is encouragement. This whole thing out here, talking to Sean, talking to Alex, and you know, just a couple other coincidental things that it's going to give me the push I needed to. Really you should I mean, honestly engage. like I, I have uh, sixty eight thousand followers on wow. Twitter. So if you, you the first day you start up, yeah. okay. 
uh, I will say, guys, this is really Mark Kerr. Yeah. Uh, you'll at least have seven followers by the end of the day. So, so Josh, what do you have coming up? Uh, I am calling. Uh, we'll be doing me and Jr. We'll be doing Dominion on the twenty seventh. So I hoping that'll push out by Friday. Uh, so we're calling that New Japan action, Kenny Omega and uh, uh, Kazuchika Okada two, which I know people are pretty hot to see. But uh, leading off from that. July 1st and 2nd in Long Beach, me and Jim Ross will be calling the action live for New Japan Pro Wrestling in their first ever mainland America wow. uh, professional wrestling show. Uh, it's been sold out. It sold out in five minutes, both days. And so that's going to be that's going to be fantastic. Um, I may have a couple seminars coming up here, one in Orange County, one in B.C., uh, in August, I will have dates on that on my social media, which is at uh, Josh L. Barnett on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, other than that, uh, just doing my, my classic car stuff, trying to get a few projects off, off the, uh, off the uh, rack and onto the road. And, you know, every now and again, getting suckered into coming onto this fucking janky-ass <laughs> podcast. Thank you, man. No, is it, is it, you're, you're, you're a legend. Well, um, although I have to, a big shout out to, um, Cold Steel Knives and supporting my team and everything that we do as two of my guys fought just last weekend at CXF in Burbank. Uh, AJ uh, Bryant won his fight in the first round by TKO. And Shohei Yamamoto in the first round of the eight-man King of Cali 155-pound tournament uh, took his undefeated fighter out in 22 seconds Wow! Uh, with, a, with a great counter left hook and uh, won the interim title at, at the very same time and moves on to the second round of the tournament. And I've been working with Travis Brown leading into his fight against Alexi Olenek uh, July 8th. And how's Travis looking? Travis is looking great. I'm really glad with a lot of the work he's been doing. And uh, I just seeing his growth uh, throughout the process is, is a really, really fantastic. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing the podcast. Uh, Kerr, it's, you're a legend. I appreciate uh, it. Uh, Barnett, you're a legend. Uh, and I want to thank our uh, sponsor, Blue Apron. The number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches across the U.S. And as a result, their seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnerships with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. They have beef, chicken, and pork that come from responsibly raised animals. I'm telling you, Blue Apron can be delivered to 99% of the continental U.S. and 99.5% of food deserts. And because Blue Apron ships the exact same amount of ingredient required for a recipe, they are reducing food waste. Listen, people. Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. And those who spend a lot in restaurants at high or high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Listen, this upcoming meals are warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons, spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice, elote-style vegetable tostadas with summer squash, poblano peppers, and cilantro rice. And peach honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. Listen, not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference. So it's important to know where your food comes from. I'm telling you, me and my girl, we have, we have Blue Apron Night. I feel like I'm, I'm Emeril Lagasse. I, I feel like I'm an amazing chef. We, we, we have, we have, it's romantic. It's sweet. It's delicious. I'm telling you, Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash MMA roast and get your first three meals free with free delivery service. Uh, go to blueapron.com slash MMA roast. It's unbelievable. You got to check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. I will not steer you wrong. I look forward to our meals getting delivered and cooking. And I look forward to eating. And I've actually, and I, I feel great. And I, I look better. I, I'm, I'm healthier. I know what I'm eating. Check it out. BlueApron.com slash MMA Roast. And thank you for listening to the podcast.